Japan fully reopened its doors to tourists this week after two and a half years of tough COVID-19 border control measures. Visa-free travel from almost 70 countries is now possible. A staggered reopening began back in June, but only for groups accompanied by guides and on specific tour packages. The Japanese economy could use some tourism dollars, inflation's at an eight-year high, and the yen weakened to a 20-year low. Kantaro Kamiya is an economics reporter for Reuters and is based in Tokyo. And Kantaro joins us on Sunday Extra now. Welcome, Kantaro. Thanks for having me. Has Tokyo seemed busier this week since the new sort of doors reopened? So, well, uh, the, the official arrival figures are not yet available at the moment. But, you know, when you look at the flight bookings, for example, like one of the Japan's biggest airlines, the Japan Airlines, said their the Japan-bound international flight booking for the next two months tripled after the government announced the border control easing last month, so according to the Nikkei newspaper. Mm. So a tripling, uh, I imagine, though, that's from a very low base. Uh, and, uh, and I wondered, is the, the, the mix of people who are coming to Japan now uh, different uh-huh. from what it was pre-COVID? Oh, right. You know, uh, previously it was only allowed for the, the people with Chapelon tours, like guided, mm. you know, tour packages and now it's open for anyone like an individual tourist and again the statistics hasn't haven't come up yet but uh this week you know japanese tv shows uh they're just showing the you know, airports hotels like some touristy spots around tokyo and interviewing like foreign tourists like lining up for the like, currency exchange or you know anime shops even so it's kind of pretty visible that in these places that you know they're coming to Japan, many different kinds of Japan people. Mm. But there's one only like a noticeably missing cohort, and that is like source from mainland China, uh, you know, which in 2019 accounted for nearly a third of all foreign tourists to Japan, uh, people from China do do. But, you know, now due to the, the strict COVID, zero COVID policy there, and most of them are unlikely to return anytime soon. So that's missing. But except for that, there are many people from Japan right now. Yes, I suppose Japan may have its door open, but China doesn't. So that makes sense. Um, uh, at, at the yeah. same time, th- does it feel at all like the old days, Kantaro? Yeah, well, you know, as I say, you know, it's a big city with like you know, many, you know, 14 million population, as I say. So it's not a quite like super big change to the city per se, but, you know, for some like regional areas, places like Osaka, Kyoto, or even smaller cities and villages, uh, they some of them used to like rely on the foreign tourists because some of them, for example, had like some anime, a famous mm. anime sport. And I think these places should be filling the sort of returning like tourists. Certainly in Australia, there's been a problem just with the supply of labor for tourism operators is the japanese tourist sector ready for a big influx of numbers is the sort of the the the, the appropriate infrastructure and and labor in place do you think mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so true that these like those in the tourism sector have been uh, craving for the, the foreign tourist report reopening. But you know that doesn't necessarily mean that they are fully prepared for it this mm. week because in just uh, last like last month, like the Prime Minister Fumio Kishida uh, said that uh, Japan is going to reopen to individual tourists at the his speech in New York, and that's that's all that sort of the change started. So it's quite a short term. So especially the 
especially the labor shortage, as you say, in Australia, like sounds like it's similar in Japan. If you look at the broader, I mean, broader economic picture, so that, you know, three in four hotels and inns around Japan, uh, they are in short of regular workers as of mm. August. According to the market research firm like Taybook Data Bank, and that's even before the, the reopening announcement that like, should have made last month. So it's quite clear that the, you know this face-to-face services industry has been hit high by the hit high by the you know the the series of COVID outbreaks and also the the restrictions the government imposed. So that you know Japan's and also that because Japan's labor market is very inflexible uh, relative to other economies in that way that you know wages tend to be very stagnant and also that people won't switch jobs as much as in other economies. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with economics reporter for Reuters, Kantaro Kamiya, who's based in Tokyo, which is now back and fully open to tourists. Uh, Kantaro, in the introduction, I mentioned. The, uh, the troubling state of the Japanese economy. Is that a factor, do you think, in the decision to open the doors fully? Uh, how much income comes to Japan through tourism? So uh, in the pre-pandemic uh, year, like in 2019, uh, Japan had uh, nearly 32 million foreign tourists uh, coming to Japan who contributed to like 4.8 trillion yen to the economy. Uh, and also, but you know, over overreaching the effects like through some relevant sectors, especially those in the countryside. So uh, these arrivals obviously plummeted to due to the strict border controls during the pandemic. Japan had only a quarter of a million visitors last year. Then, the, in the face of Japanese yen's decline, the, the government is the government is aiming to attract five trillion yen, or around thirty-four billion US dollar, from these you know foreign tourists. But he didn't give the time frame until when, and uh, so that the private private sector economists are very skeptical if, if Japan can achieve that in anytime soon. For example, uh, Nomura Research Institute estimates that over, overseas tourist spending won't exceed pre-pandemic levels until 2025. 20, so it's not going to happen soon, uh, some economists say here. And what is the overall sort of mood in terms of the business community more broadly about the state of the Japanese economy, Kantaro? Yeah, so... You know, the thing is, the, the yen's decline. Uh, by the way, we got to start with a new milestone this week, actually. It's not 24-year low. It's actually a 32-year right. low. Uh, definitely fell to the lowest in 32 years on Thursday after the, you know, the U.S. consumer inflation data made. This is a very big milestone. And yes, this uh, has affected, especially those in the domestic uh, customer-facing industries, like, you know, face-to-face services or the tourism sector, as opposed to, you know, these, uh, you know, manufacturers or, you know, or the companies that are, you know, selling goods and services overseas, they are actually benefiting from the weaker yen, you know, because they can, you know, attract more customers, clients, Mm. Uh, weaker currency so there has also there has already always been that kind of you know uh, conflict between the those like you know facing overseas and domestic but you know uh, the sort of main driver of japan's economy is like overseas i mean exporters but you know this level of vpn you know uh falling more than 20 percent against the dollar this year it's kind of too much for them and i think you know the this travel tourism reopening is expected to like have some impact on that because you know more tourists come to japan they buy yen from their own currencies so that they have more 
there's more demand for the currency so that you know it's can be a have an impact on to stem the weekend so mm. i think it's overly uh overall it's positive and just finally kantaro we we know that visa-free travel is now possible to Japan before the pandemic, about half a million Australians would go to Japan each year. Beyond the visas, though, if Australians travel to Japan now, will they find the experience uh, very different? What other practices are in place in the post-COVID era? Things like social distancing and masks—is that—is that still uh, required or customary? Mm-hmm. You know, there's actually still the, some, you know, uh, vaccination proof or negative test proof at the airport. If you need mm-hmm. to enter Japan, you need to be like uh, either fully vaccinated, uh, including a booster shot or or the show the proof of the negative test that you took 72 hours before the arrival. So that is like required. And yeah, the masks. So it's officially the government has said you don't need to wear masks if you keep two, two meter distance and not talking closely, uh, both indoors and outdoors. But actually, in practice, many, many people in Japan still wear masks inside, like in the buildings or offices or the public transport and also outside. Like, so you might feel like uh, you might see a lot of people just wearing masks just in case. And that doesn't necessarily like scientifically backed up, but, you know, still people are wearing masks and uh, you might feel compelled to do so. Uh, it's I think it's many cases, it's case by case. And there's, you know, as I say, this you know, offshore mandate is not very strict per se, but there's like some culturally accepted level of you know, mask wearing rules, I yes. think, exist here. So you might want to follow that. Indeed. And if you do, it'll still be a fantastic experience. Well worth the visit. Kantaro Kamiya, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. Thank you very much. And Kantaro is based in Tokyo and he's the economics and business reporter for Reuters. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.